you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! So the school year starts, summer ends, but COVID remains, and not only that, but increases in Macedonia and around the world. And as all of that happens, Macedonia prepares to celebrate 30 years of independence as a modern-day nation-state, while Zoran Zaev says his government has, quote, strengthened, unquote, Macedonian identity. And his deputy prime minister, Artan Grubi, says that anyone who is against the Okrit Framework Agreement, the Prespa Agreement, and the Treaty on So-Called Good Neighborly Relations with Bulgaria is, quote, against the state, unquote. This from a man who worships at the feet of another man, Ali Ahmeti, who actually fought against the Macedonian state. Of course, local elections are coming up next month, and there is a great deal of activity in the lead-up to those elections. And Afghan refugees have now arrived in Macedonia. Remember, one of Macedonia's obligations to NATO is taking in refugees from places like Afghanistan, where Macedonian forces fought with NATO. And, as I have never stops reminding everyone, NATO is the backbone of Macedonia's security and stability, just like it was in Afghanistan. We'll discuss all of this and much more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains, which I can barely see because they're covered with clouds in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Svetin Shelimanov in the foothills of the Hindu Kush of the Balkans, that is Vodna in Skopje, Macedonia. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is that is that is fantastic. Uh, um, for some reason, there was an uh, Mi twenty four attack helicopter, which we have a few, and we used. You remember certainly in the war of two thousand one, oh, yeah. flying overhead uh, above Skopje a few days ago. I don't know what it was doing. Uh, it's not used for fires, for the forest fires or anything like that. And it really felt for a moment like <laughs> like uh, being in Kandahar. <laughs> And, of course, Kandahar was established by Alexander. I did not know that. I had no idea. Yeah. I only read, read about this recently. Somebody was commenting on Twitter, and uh, I never connected. I know that Iskandarun, when you see a city of that name, is yeah. uh, Alexander's city. But uh, I never figured that uh, Kandahar is a corruption of Iskandarun or something. Yeah, so fascinating. Just... Uh... You know, here we here we are, two thousand three hundred years later. Yeah. This almost sounds like a Monty Python skit. Uh, <laughs> talking about uh, Alexander and Afghanistan uh, because it's still relevant two thousand three hundred years yeah, later, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is odd. But uh, anyway, today is uh, September one. We're recording on Wednesday, September one. This is episode one twenty one of the Macedonian Content Farmers pod- podcast. As I said. School starts now in here in America. School starts well whenever. Each each school district in each county yeah. has its own rules and and regulations and start times and dates and all that. But in Europe, um, school tends to start on September one. Mm-hmm. So, Svetin, did did the kids go back to school today in person uh, finally after what a year and a half? Weirdly, they did, and it's very strange because we have these horrific numbers. Like uh, a thousand mm-hmm. people get infected each day, and uh, about thirty, between thirty and forty, die each day. 
Uh, and this includes even young people. Mm. Like we had a 15-year-old die today, uh, a 22-year-old yesterday. So people are seriously alarmed. And mm. still the government insisted that, unlike last year when 90% of the time we had online education, that this year we're going to have uh, in-person classes for everybody. And then uh, some cities rebelled, especially the Albanian cities, which have been walloped very hard. They were holding, uh, they had this annual migration of Albanian gastarbeiter migrants in uh, Germany and Switzerland mm. coming to Macedonia all through the summer. And the government kept the borders open to help them come because they're very important to bring money to their villages. Uh, so June, July, we were packed with uh, Albanians from all over Europe uh, who did not necessarily bring the virus with them, but they would often hold like parties. They would buy rounds for everybody in the local tea shop. They would hold huge weddings. And uh, if one person there is infected, it turns out that many get infected. So uh, the Western part of the country is especially hard hit. And uh, so Titovo, Gustivar, Debar, I think, Kichovo, Struga, they all rebelled. And uh, there the high schools will not start with uh, in-person classes, they will hold only online classes. The rest of the country where it's calmer, predominantly Macedonian, uh, everybody's supposed to go to school, but um, parents are given an opt-out to say, I don't want to send my children to school, I want to have them attend online class. So the teacher ex is expected to hold a, a real class, but also have a computer turned on and uh, teach for the few children who remain at home. So this is what they're going to try and do. Teachers are livid. They insist that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. they, they practically say, listen, we'll have somebody get infected uh, in the first few days. It's a given, uh, considering how bad the numbers are. We have about 15,000 active cases, a thousand people infected a day. So they say somebody will get infected and we'll shut down the school. Just give us a week and, uh, until somebody gets tested and we're sending everybody back home. But the government is pushing real hard on people to get vaccinated. So it's now, it first closed uh, shopping malls and uh, restaurants to the unvaccinated and uh, to the lepers. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. now it says that, uh, okay, you don't have to be vaccinated if your child goes to school, but you really should consider it. And some parents whose children want to go to school are considering it. So this is now, school is a, is a tool of pressuring parents to, to get vaccinated. So that's where we Interesting. are. Interesting. Yeah. Um, now, again, you know, the, and I was listening to the editor's National Review podcast last night and, and talking about mm -hmm. the great debates here on masking and, and Charlie, Charlie Cook mentioned, and he's in Florida, um, mm -hmm. how it just seems, I mean, COVID itself just is, is, is so random. I mean, Oregon, which has some of the most restrictive um, mm -hmm. rules in the country, the governor there, who is a zealot for um, um, uh, masking, etc., mm -hmm. has decreed that even if you're vaccinated, you have to wear a mask mm -hmm. outside, which is just insanity times 10. Yeah. But my point is that Again, the, the data actually show, and I'm looking right now at a table from the Center for Disease Control from the U.S. government, under 18 and under, thankfully, again, since mm -hmm. the start of this whole thing, 18 and under, children have not been hit hard. I mean, yeah. and here's the data. 
out of 633,785 deaths in the United States of America to date, 470 have been under 18, mm -hmm. 18 and under, 470 have died, which, of course, is a tragedy, et cetera, et cetera, yes. But it, it, it doesn't affect children like it affects adults and, and those with, with um, comorbidities. Uh, so that, that's the good news. And, and it's, then you have the debate on the other side, of course, and, and I'm sure it's going raging in Macedonia, or at least I hope they're having this debate in Macedonia, that the keeping kids away from school and away from their peers and away from interaction and isolated at home, how much damage is that causing in their young lives as yeah. they are developing? Because we're having that debate here. And I think from everything that I have written and seen, it is enormous and probably much more and and longer term mm. than you know having them stay at home forever it seems like because it doesn't seem like now we have the new variants we're supposed to say yeah you can't just say the delta variant you have to say the highly contagious delta variant mm -hmm. uh, at least that's what our our um our friends mostly on the left uh, like to say etc yeah. etc et it's the ISIS so, key of uh, of the covid virus <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the yes. <laughs> yes, and it's uh, and uh, yes, and it's not a mortal enemy of regular COVID. Mm -hmm. So, um, to put it in 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 those terms. Anyway, so all right, so kids are going to go back one way or the other. Hopefully, of course, we're going into fall. This is September one. We're going to go into fall, and people are going to be indoors more in the colder weather. And we know what happened last winter, fall and winter, etc. So, uh, I we'll, we'll just follow this. Um, mm -hmm. I see that the. Macedonia now has new restrictions. Uh, you can't enter the country unless you're vaccinated or have a negative PCR test. Um, now, as you know, I was in Macedonia last month. I was in Estonia. When I flew to Europe, in order to get out of my country and into Europe, I had to show my vaccine card. Mm -hmm. um, to get out of Europe and into this country, nobody wanted to see my <laughs> vaccine card. Everybody wanted to see my negative PCR test. Go figure. Yeah. What does the science say? I don't think the science knows what the science says anymore. So, no. I don't know. We will have a few more experiments other than the children. Uh, we'll have uh, the census. Zaf insists that it begins in like uh, in three days from from now. I think. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, well, he's forcing uh, public administration people now since nobody volunteered for the job. He's now going to force <laughs> uh, temps who work in the public administration who are. Uh, anxious not to lose their jobs to go door to door and canvas people, which uh, oh. you know that's the only people he, he could force to do this. And uh, then we have elections in uh, mid October. Now in both situations, you know people are very scared of allowing anybody inside their homes and uh, sitting with right. them for like half an hour. And then this person, these persons, it's usually a team. You can imagine have been in like fifteen other apartments before you so you know it's very risky uh i think there'll be an option to tell them listen i'm not talking to you get in front of the get outside in front of the building or in the yard if you're living in a house and we can talk in the open so that's going to mm -hmm. be one option but zaf is really pressured by the albanians to give them a very favorable census result the albanians have already counted all their diaspora online so now mm -hmm. Even if it's a low turnout census in Macedonia in person, if Macedonians don't open the doors, Albanians will be even happier and Zaf will uh, meet his obligation to his coalition partners. 
similarly for the elections, you know, low turnout elections in October with a horrible, you know, COVID summer, COVID uh, autumn preceding the elections is also good for Zayev. He had a good result in 2020 when I think under 50% of people voted. So he does well in a low turnout election. <clears throat> so yeah, these are going to be two major experiments in which we can also expect a, expect a flare-up and we can expect the government's negligence over the summer, allowing all these weddings, all these celebrations leading up to this huge spike to, to influence both these crucial events, both uh, uh, to give us an, a skewed census result again and to help Zaf in the elections if the turnout is low. Uh, census lasts what a month? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And is there a, is there an option for people to fill it out online? Uh, only for the diaspora. So locals, mm -hmm. uh, people living in Macedonia, uh, have to do it in person. Mm -hmm. And you know it's a completely bonkers situation. Uh, and uh, even Macedonians in the diaspora largely ignored the census in April when it started. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Albanians, on the other hand, gleefully, massively registered. You could see pictures in a mosque somewhere in Switzerland, like a person holding 20 passports on a <laughs> laptop, typing up the numbers. And uh, who knows if these people are actually alive or anything. Uh, so Vimmer is saying, listen, we don't need to do a census. We can do an electronic census that counts, uh, you know, looks into data from banks, who has an active bank account withdraws money, puts money in, looks right. into the healthcare insurance forums, who goes to a doctor, who, I don't know, receives money for, uh, or pays uh, retirement taxes, or re receives a retirement income and picks it up in the country. I mean, you know, border crossing data, you can actually have a pretty good picture of who actually lives in the country or not electronically. Mm -hmm. So Vomero says, we've been doing this for years. Since 2011, when we gave up on the last census, when the Albanians tried to pull the same trick and Gryevsky said, no way, we can't count your diaspora as residents. Since then, we've been doing electronic censuses. And Vimera says, let's do it again. But Zaev has this huge obligation to the Albanian parties to give them favorable numbers and uh, demands that we do uh, an in-person census. Well... Looks like you're going to have to wait another 10 years to get an actual, real, proper census. Um, for, again, you know, I think most of our listeners would understand and know that the point of a census is to count the number of people who are in country at a given moment, yeah. not to count the number of people who are outside of the country. So with all due respect to the diaspora, they're not in yeah. the country. Now, that's both Macedonians and the other ethnic minorities uh, who are are part of Macedonia, but outside of Macedonia at the time. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's kind of uh, depressing, and, and we know what the Albanians are going to do with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the elections, because we have local elections. October 17 is the uh, election date. This is for the uh, for mayors and council, town, city councils, mm -hmm. etc. Um what is the latest uh, prognosis? I see within Citizen, they seem to have a lot of um, of uh, angst, and uh, they're, 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 Zorn's Eye is, is 
telling current mayors that they need to step aside and new ones come on board. Is that correct? Yeah, at the moment it's not looking good for SDSM. They have this major split and they practically fired like a dozen of their top mayors at the moment. <laughs> or let's let's say half a dozen. Yeah. Let's say half a dozen. They're not re-electing, uh, re-nominating them. They're not letting them run again for a, for a second term. And uh, they sacked like the guy in Kumanova. He's uh, splitting the yes, ticket, so he's that. running independently. Mm-hmm. He used to fight all the time with Zayev, accusing him of being a sellout to the Albanians, to the Greeks, to the Bulgarians especially. Kumanova is like a more pro-Serbian city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also of abandoning the city during the worst days of COVID last year. So he was not going to be renominated. The interior minister, Oliver Spasovsky, is also from Kumanova. He wants one of his cousins to run. So the mayor, Maxim Dmitrievsky, he said, screw you, I'm running independently, which splits the SDSM vote and could mm. help Vimera in the race. So it's a major city, SDSM has held it since, even during the Vimera times of Gruevsky, SDSM still managed to hold on to the city, to mm. hold on to Kumanova. Uh, they appear scared in Strumica. They're sending Zayev loyalist uh, Kosta, Kostadin Kostadinov, uh, who is the spokesman of the party. They're sending a very high-profile member of parliament to run for mayor there. So it seems that even in the home field, Zayev is not very comfortable. Another mayor, uh, Debarca, it's a rural place north of uh, Ohrid, is running independently after it was seen that he will not uh, be appointed again. So they fired the, the people, the lady in uh, Bitola and uh, uh, Stefan Bogoev in Karpos. They were both involved in the racket scandal. They were questioned but not interrogated, not charged over the scandal when they were practically selling out state-owned land to a Boki 13 for this uh, criminal... Um, scheme to build like uh, uh, retirement homes, take government money for them, for the homes, and then sell it, uh, ter- privatize it and sell it for profit. So uh, these two mayors, high-profile mayors, were involved in this scandal, which, you know, the big, the, the biggest scandal of Zayev's term in office, and they are not being nominated again. <clears throat> we'll see how this affects their uh, the elections in uh, Bitola. Just north of Bitol and Prilep, they're not nominating the mayor again. They're, uh, they're sending a former government minister into the city. So another case of a high-profile official being sent by Zaf from Skopje back to his hometown to run for mayor. In Skopje, they fired uh, also the mayors of Aerodrome, the mayor of Cintar, which are key districts. Especially in Aerodrome, there is a strong Vimero component and a lot of independent-minded people. So they practically had an, uh, had, uh, were in the clear that they're going to lose the, uh, the municipality, so they're, uh, they're removing uh, the incumbent mayor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see if, you know, these people now who are being fired, if they pull back on their loyalists, their inner circle of people, if they refuse to help the new candidate for the, from the party to, in the race, this could help Vimera, the Vimera candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Levitz is also trying to run. They're uh, nominating a former bass player for uh, 
from a rock group uh, Memoria, okay. Peter Georgievsky from Mayor of Skopje. But Vimmer is also coming out with an independent, uh, interesting candidate, uh, a woman businessman called Daniela Arsovska. Uh, she ran like the smaller of the two, uh, two main chambers of commerce. So she's not a Vimmera candidate. She's kind of like an interesting person, often critical of the government, but also, you know, seen as fair-minded uh, and a high-profile female candidate. So Vimmera is... Uh, aggressive in some of these races, like with this nomination. Uh, they have interesting candidates in the more secure municipalities in Skopje, like uh, Butel. Uh, uh, they're running this guy, this uh, uh, Taekwondo coach whose student just won the silver medal in uh, Tokyo, mm. uh, in the Tokyo Olympics. Mm -hmm. So they, uh, at the moment, it seems that... Uh, SDSM uh, are scared, are concerned about the outcomes of some key races and that uh, they are uh, quickly trying to replace their candidates while Vemera seem insurgent and also possibly most importantly after Zaev made a coalition with Dewey to support each other in the, in the race and also with a Dewey rival Besa so Zaev is trying to balance between the two Albanian parties in his coalition who are fighting in some areas like in Titova, but they will nominally support each other. Uh, we'll see how, uh, with how much uh, vigor. No. Uh, Vemero then uh, made an offer to Levica for a coalition. Levica refused. And then Vemero said, OK, uh, we are forming a coalition with the Albanian opposition parties. So now both Vemera and SDSM have an Albanian partner, and this should help Vemera negate SDSM's advantage with having Albanian voters. So SDSM loses the race among the Macedonian voters, but if the, whether it's a national race for president, for parliament, or if it's a local race in a municipality with Albanians, SDSM turns to the Albanians to make up the losses among the Macedonians with Albanian votes. Now, Vemera also has an Albanian partner, and this should make it a more even race in Skopje, uh, in Kumanova as well. And uh, the deal, the way these races work is, uh, so Dewey and the Albanian opposition parties, uh, like the Alliance and the Alternative, uh, Dewey will support SDSM, the Alliance and Alternative will support Vemera in the race in Skopje, in the race in Butel, which is a part of Skopje, which is largely Macedonian, but has Albanians. In Kumanova, which I said is divided. Mm -hmm. And in exchange, these parties will expect uh, Vemera or SDSM support in uh, places which are majority Albanian. That is Titovo, Gustivar. Uh, and then we have the two difficult cases of Struga and Kichova. These are majority Albanian, but uh, uh, a Macedonian could plausibly win. Mm. So we're still not sure whether Vemera <clears throat> will run candidates in Struga and Kichovo, or if this will be part of their coalition agreement to give them, to try to help them, to try to help uh, the Alliance and Alternative win these two cities. One of them is very important to the... Uh, alliance guys to uh, Ziedin Sela, that's Struga. Mm -hmm. And in exchange, 
try to get the head of the council of the municipality, more council members to protect Macedonian interests in these cities. So this is how the arrangements are going to work. Uh, Dui is larger than the alliance. Right. Dui should still give some advantage to SDSM in the races in Skopje and uh, Kumanovo, but uh, now Vemura have a fighting chance. Uh, they will not lose the Albanian vote like 100 to 0. It might be like 60-40 or 70-30. So they have a, a better chance to win Skopje. Interesting. That is a very good rundown. Appreciate it. I think our listeners will appreciate it. Um, are there any polls out? Um, there was one poll from NDI which uh, surprised people. It, it had Vimera uh, leading SDSM by five points. It was still like very few people said they're going to vote. Like 30% said uh, no, 20, 15% said I'm not going to vote. 30% said, like, I don't want to tell you or tell something. You. Yeah. And then uh, Vimera had, like, 15%, SDSM had 10 hmm. So it was a very bad poll for SDSM, especially coming from NDI, which is practically their friendly uh, outfit. Mm-hmm. And then Dewey had, like, 5%, so then Dewey and SDSM together should be even with Vimera in the local race. But now the Alliance and Alternative had, like, 3 or 4%. So now Vemera is again in a solid lead. But then SDSM has the power of incumbency in practically all municipalities across the country. They won extremely heavily in 2017. Yeah. The elections were just after the incident in the parliament and the US and the EU strongly taking the side of SDSM, practically you know, completing the coup which started with the colored revolution. So... Mm. Uh, a lot of fraud was apparently involved in briberies and police pressure and Vimera activists on the ground. So SDSM holds practically all municipalities in the country. One municipality which Vimera held is Kavadarci. Mm-hmm. A businessman there, Mitko Yanchev, then quickly cut a deal with Zaev, uh, was, you know, uh, visited by Philip Ricker, and then shortly afterwards, even the one city which Vimera won in 2017, even that mayor switched sides, joined Zaev, openly supported uh, uh, the name change, said he's going to challenge Mitskovsky for leader of Vimera. But now, this time around, Yanchev said, OK, I'm coming back to Vimera. And he apparently had a meeting with Mitskovsky and they buried the hatches. And now he's going to be supported by Vimera. So this is another indication that... Uh, a person who was attuned to what the embassy is thinking and how things are developing in the country. He is now moving back into the Vimera fold. Not everybody is happy about it, but it's indicative that uh, Zaev is losing uh, serious candidates and uh, the weather wanes are siding with Vimera at the moment. Hmm. All right. Well, that's... Uh... <laughs> As, as I was listening to you go go back and forth between all of it, I was thinking to myself, clear as mud. Um, no, you, yeah. you've done a good job of, of, of explaining it, but it is it is a bit uh, Byzantine, shall we say. Um, uh, this is a podcast for people with more advanced knowledge of Macedonia. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an introductory, your starter <laughs> podcast on Macedonian affairs. <laughs> yeah, well, 
All right. Well, we'll, we'll just have to keep monitoring that, looking at it. Um, you mentioned, of course, the influence of uh, my government, uh, the State Department, yeah. and uh, our various ambassadors who have who have come through and done damage to Macedonia. I noticed yeah. um, that uh, I, I I don't know where Kate is, our current ambassador. She hasn't tweeted for a while, and I know the DCM is is was, there's yeah. a new DCM there. Um, I keep thinking maybe she resigned and just didn't tell anybody, and they're afraid to tell everybody. But we'll see. Um, I do note that uh, uh, President Biden yesterday in his uh, capitulation speech to the nation about yeah. uh, Afghanistan said um, uh, regarding Afghanistan and, and our fleeing, our evacuation, mm -hmm. said uh, it's about ending an era of major military operations to remake other countries. So the good news mm -hmm. is that we're not going to use our military to remake your country. The bad news is we're still going to use our State Department to remake Macedonia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what's deadlier or more damaging to a country. Uh, the NGOs state, the, you sent there. The State or, Department, definitely. Or the, the NGOs military, in the yeah. State Department. People like, uh, yeah. what's what's that idiot's name? Petit Saracini at the Civil? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, people, people like, like that. Yeah, Peter Saracini. Uh, he, sorry? Yeah, Peter Saracini. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to call him Petit. Petit Saracini. Oh, so. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, uh, it, worked, it was kind of funny. This is a total aside, but he... Uh, he just ripped into me the other week on Twitter using all kinds of yeah. foul language, and he works for an organization called Civil. I thought that was quite yeah, yeah, yeah. Odd. <laughs> um, he was on going cold turkey, maybe. He was on what? Yeah, he was probably going cold turkey. Yeah, yeah. he was waiting for his delivery from Afghanistan. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was uh, off his meds. And we got our delivery from Afghanistan. We got our. You did, yes. That's a nice. Oh, nice segue. Nice segue. Yes. So. <laughs> You have received, Macedonia has received the first of, uh, I don't know how many refugees Zoran Zayev promised to take. I mean, as a NATO member, you have obligations. You fought alongside with NATO. They finally let you in, in the tent so that you no longer yep. had to be outside the tent pissing in, but now you can be inside the tent pissing in. Um, pissing in, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but as one of your obligations, you have to take refugees. Uh, now, it's what? What's the number that you actually have versus how many are coming in? Do you know? We have 750, and these were NDI people, apparently Trans Transparency International people, like the Afghan versions of these loathsome characters. We have like Petit Saracini here, working for the US government in these uh, uh, NGO positions. Uh, and uh, Zayev said he would take up to 1,800. Uh, we are putting them in hotels across the city. There was this strange comment from Glenn Beck who said that our ambassador was invited by the State Department, apparently told to stop accepting refugees, or maybe uh, he wasn't sure, he wasn't explaining it well, or I'm not sure if he <clears throat> understood it uh, correctly what's happening, but perhaps, you know, we were being told, listen, tone it down, you can just take so many people in your country before some actual terrorist slips through and actually shoots up somebody and then we are all in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we are pledging between, we have uh, agreed and, uh, you know, we have the names of 750 people and have pledged up to 1,800 in total. 149 arrived. One lady immediately gave birth. So now I we have that. 150. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're uh, multiplying like rabbits. First, yeah, we have the first Afghan Macedonian baby. <laughs> Does that baby get but, automatic, I mean, automatic citizenship? Uh, and, uh, under one of the versions of the law which the Albanian parties were pushing on Zaev, he would have. Oh. 
but it didn't pass. So okay. at the moment, uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, there's, yeah, there's it a, didn't go that far. There's a technical term for that. Obviously, if you're born here in the United States, you're automatically a citizen, no matter yeah. what. Um, but uh, I forgot what the term. Latin term is use solely yes. it's by the law of the land, or they use uh, genus or sanguits by the law of the blood or the the family. So if your family are Americans, you're American wherever you're born. If you are uh, if it's used solely, then if you're born in the soil, then you're... Uh, we, we were going to call it the Jus Orza, uh, because, you know, Orza Kamchov has this large <laughs> clinic. Uh, Sistina and half of Kosovo people are born in Macedonia, yeah. coming to Sistina because their healthcare system is still in shambles. So under one version of the law, which the Albanian parties were pushing on Zav, they demanded he makes changes to the citizenship law. We would have had, like half of Kosovo would have I would have a plausible claim on Macedonian citizenship born in this one clinic in Skopje. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, wh wh while we're on the subject of Afghan refugees and the disaster that um, was, uh, or is, I should say, it's still unfolding, uh, our uh, hasty retreat and evacuation mm -hmm. from Afghanistan, leaving American citizens behind, not, not to mention green card holders. The dogs. And the Sorry? dogs. And the dogs. And the dogs, yes, and the dogs, uh, and uh, other allies, etc. Um, you know, I'm reminded of um, the President Biden said it was the largest uh, uh, airlift in history. Uh, mm. Probably true, airlift, yes. But, of course, Dunkirk, which yeah. I think is the defining uh, uh, example, was about 350,000 troops mm. under fire. Yeah. mostly by private craft, shallow water craft, private yachts yeah. that with Churchill as prime minister sent over, uh, and it was a miracle. But here's the key thing, is Churchill said, I don't have the exact quote, but Churchill said it was a colossal military disaster. That part's a quote. And he said that you, you, evacuation is not something to celebrate. Yeah, now, yeah, Bi Biden the other day, Yesterday, actually, it was his press conference on Tuesday, the 31st of August, framed it as a absolute and total success, blamed, first of all, Donald Trump at least four times by my count, blamed mm. the Afghan army, which we, the United States military, withdrew our support from earlier this summer, so they couldn't mm. possibly fight without the support that we had in there. He blamed everybody, but he said the buck stops with me, and then he blamed everybody else. I mean... Mm. Joe Biden, and, and and I don't think he's going to, this is not going to, he thinks that, and his advisors, Jen Paskey and all the other idiots at the White House, Jake Sullivan, etc., and not to mention Kamala Cackle-Harris, uh, the vice president, mm. all think that this is going to blow over, the media is going to move on to COVID and whatever else. And they will. No, nah, yeah. I don't think so. I really don't think so. But watching some of these veteran um, uh, media people like Richard Engel with... Uh, um, CNN and Peter Alexander with NBC and some others, mm -hmm. they're asking really tough questions, and I can tell just by looking, reading them and looking at their uh, their uh, their TV uh, comments, um, they're pissed off. Everybody's pissed yeah. off. This is not going to this is this is not going to end well for Joe Biden, who is non compos mentos. I think that's clear by now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not going to end well for Kamala Harris. I think the Democrats are really worried about this. Of course, we have our own. Uh, I guess you would call them by-elections coming up, the Virginia race for governor in November and some others. 
Uh, mm-hmm. We have the California recall, actually, in 13 days, September 14, yep. Governor Newsom. Larry Elder, I am so hoping. Our, most of our listeners probably don't know Larry Elder. I hope they do. Mm-hmm. He's a con- conservative um, author, broadcaster, uh, and he is black. Uh, mm-hmm. And he is leading the race right now to replace Governor Newsom, if Governor Newsom is recalled in California, to have a black conservative Republican as governor of the nation's largest state would be so delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and and it will send shockwaves through the Democrat Party and the left and the progressives, etc. So, but going back to, to Afghanistan, um, of course, this is a colossal failure of not only the United States government, the State Department, and not our military, but the senior military leadership, like, like General Miley, or Milley, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and for NATO. And our NATO allies are pissed off at Joe Biden for this and the State Department and others. And my question to you is, is there any discussion in Macedonia uh, about this whole debacle and how that affects Macedonia's membership in NATO? Because uh, as Zoran Zayev keeps reminding everybody, NATO is, is the backbone of Macedonia's security and stability. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not concerned about NATO, other than uh, right comments that we have to buy American yes. uh, APCs while the Afghans got them for free. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, uh, there was jubilation, obviously, initially, that uh, these NGO types... I mean, it's not just the collapse of the U.S. military. It's the collapse of the nation-building model, which was run by these types who were, you know, as we were commenting days before the... Taliban takeover, uh, pushing the LGBT flag on the country and uh, gender studies. I mean, I'm all for advancing Afghanistan from the 7th century into, let's say, the 19th, hopefully 20th century in terms of uh, gender relations, maybe. Mm-hmm. But these people were trying to, to propel it right into an imagined version of the 21st century, into, into 21st century Berkeley, not just yeah. the 21st century skipping centuries of development uh, in the process. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge defeat for them. They're literally the types of people who are fleeing now the country in helicopters and uh, not to gloat on the personal misfortune, but mm. it's, I'm definitely going to gloat about the defeat of the ideology and the ideologues in Washington who yes. cooked this all up and were unable with so much money, so much goodwill from the entire world, so much... Uh, uh, military support from the entire world, uh, from the U.S., of course, they were unable to have a realistic plan for how to uh, cobble together a, a country. And they're now suffering a humongous defeat. This is not a successful evacuation. It's not the Berlin airlift. The Berlin airlift was done to shore up a city in the middle of enemy territory mm-hmm. and not to surrender and to prove that, you know, eventually leading to a huge victory when the other side of the wall begged to be allowed inside uh, Berlin. This is uh, evacuation. This is just Biden is uh, bragging with how quickly the American soldiers and diplomats fled from the city. This is this is ridiculous yeah. to portray it as, as a victory. Yeah. And a lot of people here are, I mean, obviously this was a conservative country. This is a conservative country. It was led by a conservative party. Uh, which was dislodged from power through tremendous investment and effort on the part of the U.S. Uh, government. 
And we are obviously constantly gouging and looking into how extensively the U.S. still supports Zayev in power. Uh, like I mentioned, this mayor who began a challenge of Mitskovsky's position in the party after being visited by Ricker and mm. uh, Palmer. So these things we constantly keep an eye on. And any weakness on the part of the U.S. in uh, the region, like there, they shore up a person in Armenia, then he loses a war, like a colored revolution candidate. They shore up uh, a colored revolution regime in Ukraine, and then the U.S. does not support them enough or is unable to support them against Russia, you know, to some extent, to to defend their country. They, you know, they're all helped in supporting some parts of the country, not retaking the rest. So, uh, how which Albanian politician is meeting, is being welcomed in DC. So we constantly keep an eye on these things and uh, any type of weakness on the part of the US and the administration, which we believe is going to be very Balkan focused, very experienced people in the Balkans. Uh, listeners remember how depressing our uh, January, February uh, <laughs> podcasts were, or November, December, when Biden won. We practically, you know, we were counting out, counting down the months Macedonia has left us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a unified country. Um, Biden has been a huge supporter of the Albanian aggressive cause in the Balkans. But if he's not all there, and if they're unable to see through another huge investment uh, on the part of the military, industrial intelligence, whatever you want to call it, complex. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe there the U.S. does not the mess it used to. And maybe we now, you know, have a chance to roll back some of the damage the U.S. has done to Macedonia. We'll see in the elections. We'll see how things develop. Yeah, indeed. Um yeah, I think the, 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 the biggest takeaway, I think, from, from the uh, debacle in Afghanistan is that people, especially in the Democrat Party and, and those that carry water for the Democrat Party in the media and think tanks and Hollywood, etc., said that Joe Biden was a foreign policy expert. Obviously, he is not. Uh, he's, he's never been. He, and he's never, you know, he, he's always been in the center of the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has moved far to the left, and so... And that's that's what he is. Plus the fact that he's seventy eight years old, seventy nine in November, I believe, non copos mentos. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and what that does to our role in the world, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's see. We're running a little bit long. Why don't we? We'll need to wrap this up. I have to get to the office. It's it's morning mm-hmm. here. It's evening there. But as I mentioned at the uh, in the monologue, of course. Uh, we've got Macedonia's Independence Day next week, yeah. September 8th, which I believe is a, what, Wednesday? Yes. I'm barely aware which month it is. But yes, yeah. it's, it's Wednesday. <laughs> if it weren't September 1st, I wouldn't know it. Yeah. Yeah, it's Wednesday. Wednesday, uh, 30 years of independence of Macedonia's a modern-day nation-state. I don't know if we'll do a podcast before that or on that day or after that, but um, we, will, uh, we, we should uh, wish... All our listeners, and especially Macedonians in Macedonia, in the region, and around the world, a very happy Independence Day. Remember what has been done in terms of the change of the name, etc., at least at the official level, can always be undone. And that's what we are working towards. 
no matter what. Inshallah. In, yeah, inshallah. No matter what uh, uh, Phil Reeker and Matt Palmer and Kate Burns and all those other morons have to say. Sure, sure. All right. Happy Independence Day, and uh, we'll talk next week. Absolutely. Take care, buddy. You too.